Well, it's uh, let me down a bit. Great privilege to be here. I really mean that. I mean, I'll say that's not Ian Warren. It's Oatswood. I um, I know Oatswood a little bit. I lived in George in 1973-74, and my late wife got saved in George. And God began to speak to me about my life in George, and I was so convicted, I began to tithe before I got saved. Because I thought, I'll give him some money, and then the feeling of guilt will go away. But the church took my money, and the feeling of guilt stayed. <laughs> and the more I gave, the, it didn't get any better. So uh, then I met Jesus, and then he took the guilt away. Amen? I gave the money before I got saved. So then I went to the church. No, I didn't. I was going to say, then I went and said, look, I've put a deposit in you. <laughs> As it gained interest. <laughs> but God is good, yeah? I come from the Weinberg congregation. As uh, Davy said, that I am been two years in Joshua generation. It's a wonderful story, which I won't bore you with. Um, but I'm so excited to be with you and to tell you that Jesus loves you. And that Jesus hadn't had to sell anything in heaven to pay the debts in heaven. Everything's still as it should be, absolutely perfect, and he's preparing a place for us. That should excite you. You could say amen. amen. He's preparing a place for you, and he loves you, and he's for you, and he wants to be a father to you, and he wants to embrace you, and he wants to speak to you which he does, and most of the time we don't listen. And uh, that's why the Bible says we must become as little children. Because you've got to tell a little child over and over and over again until they listen. It's true. Isn't it true? You don't tell your child once. And then the questions come, but why? That's why God says you must be a little child. Because little children also have amazing faith. You tell a child, God can do this. They say, If you tell an adult, they'll say, Well, I don't know. I'm not so sure. <laughs> but children believe things. But we must become like little children and learn to hear the voice of God. It says in... Um, I want to speak to you first. Let me tell you, I want to rush into these things. I mustn't rush, mustn't rush. I want to speak to you this morning about being a settler or being a professor or being a possessor. You're either a settler or a professor. I'm not talking about a professor in university. You make profession, you say you are something but you're not actually that something. Or you're a possessor. And I want to use Abraham a little bit and uh, just take those three things and massage them into your life and help you understand what I'm trying to tell you. We are pilgrim people. The Bible says this is our temporary home. We just, we're just passing through. As Uncle Wilmer Ray used to say, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. We're not physical beings having a spiritual experience. We've come alive by the grace of God 
to the things of God by the Spirit. We're not trying to make moral people or immoral people moral. We're raising the dead. The Bible says you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You ever spoken to a dead person? They don't respond. They don't even blink. They do nothing because they're dead. And when we speak to people who haven't got Christ, they're dead to the spirit world. The world of the Holy Spirit. There's another spirit world. They might have some understanding of that. But to the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, they did. They can't see. And so we are not trying to make people live better lives. We're saying to people, no, we want to raise you from the dead. So that that old life's gone. That dead life. Then you get life. I got life on the 24th of October 1974. I got born again. The Spirit of God spoke to me and I came alive. And suddenly I saw things I'd never seen before. About the life of God. But I'm just passing through. It's a short journey. Short journey. And the psalmist says in Psalm 84 verse 5. He says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And the challenge we have is that we want to make this our home. Now you must, not, don't misunderstand, you must have a house. You must have a home. You, you must work. You, you must get things. You must, God, the Bible says God has given us everything to enjoy. So we enjoy our life. But my focus is always the next life. Because this, I'm just a pilgrim. I'm, I'm just... I'm here for a brief moment. I don't know how long eternity is. But life on earth is like a burp in eternity. Just almost chop chop and then it's for bay. That's what life is like. Our whole life, you can live to be a hundred. It's, it's so quick in comparison. So we mustn't build for now. All our, all our life for now. We must build for there. So that one day when I see him, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to see him as he is. And I'm going to have a really good body. <laughs> I'm going to be very handsome. And I'm going to have no more problems. And I won't have to cry again over things that have hurt me. And I won't get upset with people that have said unkind things to me. Because it's going to be perfect. Because I'm going to be in his presence. And will I remember this life? Never. People say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God. You won't ask him one question. You will be overawed. You'll think, if only I knew more when I was down there. If only I understood more. And it's the Holy Spirit who helps us understand the more. Amen? Okay. So yeah... God has given us promises. All of us have had a promise. You can read the book. Lots of promises. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I looked up the Greek word for all. <laughs> Stop this. It says all. I can do all things. It says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5, I will never leave you. 
I'll never forsake you. What a promise. Even if you go to that place you know you shouldn't go, I'll still go with you. We don't leave God at the door when we go to somewhere where we shouldn't go. And then we come out the place again and Jesus says, oh, here you are, come, let's go together again. Now he goes with you. I'll never leave you. It doesn't matter where you go. I'll be with you forever. Never, ever, ever will I leave you. And it says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 about these promises. It says this, by faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Because everything that God says in the, in the Bible, everything is yes and amen in Jesus. And the trouble is this, that lots of us wait with faith, but we don't have patience. Especially charismatic churches. We want it now. No, 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 no. Lord, I prayed yesterday. Now must... No, 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 no. Patience. Wait. Otherwise, we birth Ishmael's. You remember Ishmael? Remember Ishmael? The Bible says about Ishmael, he was like a wild donkey. Donkeys. Stubborn. Very stubborn. You don't want to birth an Ishmael into your life because you're impatient. Remember, Sarah said to Abram, look, you know, I can't help you. Is this for me or for you? For all of us. Hallelujah. I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just asking. Because, you know, they sit here in this special family. No, 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 leave it. I'm joking. Sarah said to Abraham, look, you know, it can't happen here. So, you know, use Hagar. But Abraham had a promise. So did Sarah have a promise. But they grew impatient. So, Charismatics are often impatient. We've got the faith, yeah, we believe God. The traditional church have all the patience but don't often have the faith. And they say, no, we're waiting on the Lord. That's fine to wait on the Lord, we must do that. But you can't wait with no expectation. It's like waiting at a red robot. You know it's going to turn green, you've got an expectation. And when it turns green, well, here we go. You don't sit there waiting, well, I hope one day in 2026 this thing will turn green. There's an expectation. And we must have both faith and patience in their proper order. By way of, not the order is not the right word, in their perspective spaces. Just believe, I'm, I'm, I've got patience, I'll wait, Lord, I'll wait. In 1974, when I got saved, when I came alive, God spoke to me. And he said, you are going to serve me full time. I didn't go to church. I went to a meeting and there were charts all around the wall in a hall like this with lakes of fire. The old man preached hell so effectively I could smell the sulfur and hear the fire. I was so, and I gave my life to Jesus and God spoke to me. And on the way home, my wife had been saved for four months. I said to her, we're going to go into the ministry. She said, never. (laughs) What do you mean never? God spoke to me. And a wise old man said to me, that's good. God speaks to you. Own it. It's a promise. But God must tell your wife for herself. You mustn't say, come, 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 come. Here we go. Wait. 13 years. 13 years later. 
We had four children then. My wife was sitting on the beach in Cape Town and God spoke to her. I waited 13 years. But you know what happened? I'd run out of faith. I had lots of patience. And the idea to serve God now, give up everything, was there on the back burner of the stove. It wasn't even simmering. It was just just about alive. And I had to restore my faith in the promise. And God, well, the rest is history. But I had to wait. I had to be patient. And God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. They call it the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic promises in Genesis chapter 12. Oh, did I give you that? I didn't. Uh, terrible. You can put it up for me. Genesis chapter 12, the first couple of verses. First nine verses, just do that. We probably won't read them all, but it says this, the Lord had said to Abram, he's Abram, he's not Abraham yet, he's Abram, Abram, Abram. He had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. And then here's the blessing. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I, whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And verse 4 says, So Abram left as the Lord had told him. God spoke to Abram and he told him what he would do for him and what he would do through him. And if he would trust God, and be obedient then he would fulfill the promises you think about Abraham <laughs> what if God said to you today go and you said where and God said no just go I'll show you now you don't know if you must go to Kaptu, Transvaltu or Skaptu you don't know where you're going to go you've got to go I'll show you I'll show you you see, because great lives are trained by great promises. If we can hold on to the promises of God and really believe them. You see, God is good at doing the impossible. He's good at it. We can't do it. But the Bible says nothing is impossible for God. He's good at doing the impossible. All the promises Put up two Corinthians for me. What's your name? John. John. I'm remembering. I know a few names now. John. Two Corinthians. Chapter 1. I suppose I could read it there, but I'm just being stubborn. No, he says this. Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made. And there are many. He said, it doesn't matter how many he's made. All of them, all the promises are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What does amen mean? It doesn't mean the end. Amen. That's the end of funny. It doesn't mean that. Oh, amen. Oh, hallelujah. He's finally said amen. We can go now. It's finished. Amen means so be it. Is that true? Yeah, I'm, I got that right. 
So be it. No, that's atmosphere. Amen. All the promises are yes. Yes, Lord. And amen. So they must be in Christ Jesus. All of them. All of them. And then verse 21, he says, um, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Who's received the Spirit of God? You all have. If you're born again, you've got the Spirit of God and you can't be a Christian without the Spirit. He is guaranteeing your inheritance. And your inheritance is being kept in heaven for you. That's what the book of Peter says. It's being kept in heaven for you. I would have thought that might get an amen. Look, can I talk to you young people? You must When I say something, say amen and let's wake up the old folk there. Yeah? Because it's warm and people are sleeping and this is church, you can't sleep now. You heard about the man that fell asleep because the preacher was so boring, he was sitting here on the front row and he fell asleep and his friend who brought him was over there and he was embarrassed because the man was starting to snore. So he took off his slop and he threw it and it hit the mat and he woke up and he said hit me again I can still hear him (laughs) so I hope you're not like that (laughs) it says in Isaiah 40 31 those who wait on the Lord now that's not I'm waiting the wait in the Bible is the, the the eager expectation of good coming I'm not waiting I'm not sitting like a bump on a log thinking well maybe someday when I'm older I'm waiting with expectation because everything God has promised he will fulfill and then the Bible says then he wraps it all up <laughs> it's the end of the age then it's genuinely amen then it's over one day the waiting is not passive it's, it's, it's waiting with expectation, believing God. As a church, this church has been given promises. This congregation has been given promises. And this congregation's been through some interesting times. But the promises still stand. The promises are still here. So what must we do? Now we must go back to the promises and say, God, you said... And if you said, I'm going to believe that. If you said it, I'm going to believe that. You see, we are not, we're not saved by making promises to God. That's what I did when I was a little boy. Oh God, I'm going to be a good boy from now on. I promise, Lord, I promise. I promise I won't steal sweets out of the tuck shop anymore. I promise. And not even donuts either. I promise. I won't steal anymore at the shop. I'm not saved by making promises. I'm saved by believing the promises of God. That's how I get saved. I believe the promises. I don't make promises. Because why? I'll break them. Because why? I'm a human being. I can't do that. But God made promises. And I believe the promises. And we're not blessed by making promises. I promise, Lord, when, when, when when, when when I get more money then I'll give. I promise, Lord, that, that if I get a new job, then it will be different. Then I'll give more time to you. I promise, Lord. I'm not blessed by making promises to God. We're blessed by believing the promises 
and, 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 the, and the faith, and we put it into action. God made a promise, I believe it. The religious leaders came to Jesus, they, they said to him, look, what must we do to do the work of the one you sent? Because churches, we feel we've got to work to be accepted. I, I must do something. If I'm going to be a friend of God, I must do something. So they came and said, what must we do to do the work of the one that sent you? What must we do? And Jesus said, you must believe in the one that was sent. That's your work. That's very unfair. All I've got to do is believe. Yeah. You believe. You believe me. You believe what I say in the book. You believe what I did for you. You own what I did for you. And then you'll be my child, my son, my daughter. We're not saved by making promises. We're saved by believing. God made a covenant with Abraham. And in Hebrews chapter 11, let me turn around, it's much easier. I'll read it off here. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Is that all I gave you? Yeah? I wonder why I put that in then. Doesn't ring a bell. We do look forward, eh? Okay. God gave Abram no reasons, no explanation. He just gave Abram promises. This is what he said. Abi, I will show you. Thank you, Lord. I will make you. Thank you, Lord. I will bless you. Thank you very much, Lord. And then I will bless those who bless you. Thank you again, Lord. Just promises. And Abram went on the strength of of promises, not knowing where he was going. I'm going to get to the heart of it. God promised to show him a land, make him a great nation, and then use that nation to bless the world. Same for us. We are pilgrims passing through. It's very short. It's very short. Very short. And we must wait with faith and patience and remember the promises. There are three ways we usually respond. And the first way is we become what I call settlers. And in Matthew 13, 20, it says this. Matthew 13, 20 is the story of the sowing the seed. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy but since it has no root he only lasts a short time or he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution come because of the word he quickly falls away he becomes a settler not the settlers you know from 1800 those guys this is a spiritual settler he hears the word he says yes but it hasn't got any root and then it quickly dies and uh, it doesn't, it doesn't last. They have the desire to go the whole way. There's, 
There is something in their hearts. I can do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But the desire burns out too quickly and they, they like run out of petrol. They settle for less than what God planned for them. Listen to me. Have you settled for less than what God's got planned for you? Have you just said, no, look, I, I'm not going to get too involved. I'm, I'll just, I'll, I'm happy here. You, you've got to get a taste of heaven in order to understand what it's going to be like. And if you just settle for less than what God wants to give you on the planet, you're never really going to be, you're going to feel pot. You're never going to feel you want to give yourself 100% to what God wants to do. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 31 and 32, God tells Terah, Abraham's father, he tells of Terah, he went as far as was comfortable for me. He didn't want uncomfortable, so he settled and he missed God's promise for the, for the land. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot. You remember Lot was really moolik, made lots of trouble. Son of Haran and his daughter-in-law Sarai, that's Abram's wife obviously, the wife he's son of. From, and they go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. That wasn't the end of the journey. And you remember when God said to Abram, now you must go and you know you must just you must go don't take your family I'll get there but he did but Terah said no here is far enough thank you I'm going to settle here and he missed what God wanted to give Abraham as a people he missed it because he settled down we mustn't miss what God's got for us God's got things for this congregation big things you know, you read a book, chapter 1, chapter 2. This, this congregation has got chapters. And when Davi and Liesel arrived, the chapter, the end of the chapter previous to them, the page turned. And there was a new chapter. And it started. And then Davi and Liesel and their three boys arrived. That's the start of the next chapter. When you read a book, you don't keep going backwards to see, you've read it now. It's happened. You've experienced it. Maybe it was good. Maybe it wasn't so good. Maybe it was easy. Maybe it was a bit difficult. But it doesn't matter what it is. You've now turned the page. And Darvi and Liesel and their three boys arrived. And things changed a bit. Well, because, they, you know what I decided years ago? I'm going to be me. Because I found out everybody else was taken. I, I couldn't be anybody else. I could only be me. They can only be who they are. They can't be who they're not. And we can't be who we're not. We can only be who we are. So we mustn't put expectation on people and make them to be who we want them to be. Because you know why? We judge people by their intention, by, 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 by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. I've always got good intentions, but sometimes my actions, especially if you see me driving Cape Town and there are lots of taxis, my actions are not so lacquer. Forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I, oh, I pray lots of forgiveness in my car. Because those acts are my own, man. And it gets to me. 
Then I can talk about it and I can speak and I can judge people by what I've seen. My young pastor friend who leads the congregation, we got behind the guy, we see, we said, that's Craig, that's Craig, watch, he's behind me, I'm at the stop street, I said, watch, I'm just going to stand, wait, we just stand, and you can see he's looking now, and I'm watching in the mirror, and Craig said, what is this oak doing, and you can see now, now I wonder who should I hurt, and then I moved a little bit, then, oh, we're going, then I stopped again, and you can see, <laughs> that's judging people by their actions, like and naughty, and we judge ourselves by intentions, then afterwards he said, Craig, we're winding up. He said, I wondered if it was you. <laughs> and God never does that to us. Because Jesus, the intentions of Jesus are always pure. And the actions of Jesus are always perfect. So we must never judge people by what we think they should be. Amen? Don't settle for less than what God has for you. I don't even know what time I started. In the church that I was in, some old guy said, look, we must get a clock for the back. Because, you know, he says lastly, and then he lasts. <laughs> Goes on, and then one old guy said, no, 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 we don't need a clock, we need a calendar. <laughs> so the clock was there, and then I had this elder who was very naughty, and I'd get up to preach, and I'd look at the clock, I'd think, no, we didn't, it can't, my watch must be wrong. And then he gets up there, and he turns it, 20 minutes ahead like if it's half past 10 I get it's quarter to 11 I'm like no it can't be good and then he just sits it's teasing me don't settle for less than what God wants to give you secondly there are those who have the same desire as the settlers and their fire burns a bit longer but because they've relied on what they see instead of what they do not see they also stop before the promise is fulfilled. Those are the professors. They profess things. Yeah, hallelujah. We'll do this for the glory of God. But as we say, when the rubber hits the road, then they've got smooth tires and there's no traction. Because they settle for less. They profess things. No, no, I'm with you. I'll see you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Sister, I'm with you. But it's words. And words, words can hurt, words can encourage, words can... Don't say what you don't mean to do. Don't say that. I said something on Wednesday night at um, the Combined Com, and somebody misunderstood what I said. And we got a call saying, can we get coffee? I don't know what it was about. I said, I'd love to get coffee with you. We had a lovely morning. They even bought me breakfast. We ate and then they said, listen, man, on Wednesday night you said something and we, we just didn't. And what I said was this, why do we bother to learn Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all that, when the Bible's got an index? So if the pastor says, turn to Nahum, and ye don't, you see, it can't be as a name in the Bible, nee. It's got, it's got an index where you can look, and then you open the Bible there, and that's where your pages are still stuck together because you've never read that. You know that place. And they interpreted that as me saying, you don't have to memorize scripture. 
All I was saying is you can know the books of the Bible, but if you don't know what's in the book, what's the point? You see, because Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, the spirit brings life. The letter kills. This will kill you. The spirit brings life. So when I read it in the power of the spirit, it brings life to me. So they said, look. So I said, no, 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 I never meant that. Now, if they never came to me, they could have just mentioned it, maybe, perhaps, if to a friend. And don't see story eight. And then Joshua generation, there was some old guy that came there. You know what he said? You don't have to worry about reading the scripture. This is the scripture you don't have to remember. It's not what I said. But they cleared it. They're not professors. They want the truth. They want to give me everything. I'm not professing to know. I want to know. Because what did you really say? And it's very, very important. You know, people come to you and they say, Have you heard? Liesl, did you hear about Davi? I'm just telling you so you can pray. <laughs> it means gossip. Gossip in the church is worse than having a drug addict in the church. Gossip kills the church. Professors, gossip. Because they don't go the whole way. And I'll show you why. They lose heart because their faith is shallow. And so their hearts betray them. If your faith is shallow, your heart will betray you. I said to the young people, did you remember this now? If you were there on Friday, your head is your good. See, they don't listen. The head is a terrible master, but it's a good servant. This is a terrible master. It's a good servant. Your head must listen to your heart. Because I'm a child of God now. I've got a new heart. He's speaking into my heart. And I must say, Kop, you may be geleisde, broer. Want soos hier voorin gedink het, dis verkeerd. Die hart dink nou anders. I must follow my heart. People, oh, don't follow your heart. Now God's given me a new heart. It was wicked. And it's evil beyond whatever. But God's given me a new heart. I've replaced your heart. He said, Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart. I'll take out that old heart. I'll give you a new one. Now, it's not foolproof, but I'd rather follow my heart if I'm walking with God than follow my head if I'm not. Okay? It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, therefore we do not lose heart. Paul went through some... Have you read what Paul suffered? He spoke about the 40 lashes minus one. 39 lashes and it wasn't just you know the little I was doing a Sunday school class my first child was about three a little girl and they asked me I'm a new Christian they said well I do the, the kids talk in the church meeting and I'm thinking what can I do so I think I'm going to get a shoe because the shoe's got eyes it's got a tongue it's got a soul it's got a heel you know we'll talk about the shoe so I'm pulling things out this packet and I pull out a clothes brush, you know, the little handle. And I said, like a torch. What's this? That's a torch. What's this? That's a head. What's this? My daughter shouts, for hidings. <laughs> Out comes the clothes brush. What's this for? She says, for hidings. <laughs> oh, shame. Poor child. <laughs> we don't lose heart. Paul says, we don't lose heart. He went through things. But outwardly, outwardly we're wasting away. I wouldn't say that about me. 
that I'm wasting away because there's a lot of me. But outwardly I'm wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now what that means is this. You can go through the worst trouble in the world. What's waiting for you puts the trouble in the shade. I lost my wife three and a half years ago. 47 years married. 49 years together. It's a lifetime. Was I troubled? Of course I was troubled. Was it difficult? Of course it's moeilijk. But that, the glory that I'm going to get, outweighs that. Wilma Ray, you know Wilma Ray? Comes to me one day, says, Jeff, I've got good news and bad news. I said, what's that? He said, the bad news is, brother, I'm sick. He said, the good news is I'm going to see your wife before you do. <laughs> that's, that's having the perspective of heaven. I will see you again. Will I love her like I loved her? Yeah, I don't know. There's no marriage there. But I'll see him. And I'll see the people. And that's the glory. Outweighs all the troubles. They, they're insignificant. We have lots of troubles. People have troubles. So we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen. But on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. You see, the Christian life is not, you know, I'll see it and I'll believe it. Now, the Christian life is, I'll believe it, then I'll begin to see it. You you don't see it before you believe it. You believe it, then you see it. Because it's a spiritual dimension, the spiritual world. We don't lose heart, Paul says. Day by day, we're being renewed. Our troubles are light and momentary. And that which is is seen is temporary. The unseen is eternal. Genesis 13, 10. 11 tells us that Lot was like that. It looked good to the natural eye, so he settled for less than God had planned. Look here. Lot looked up. Remember when they had a fight? Uncle A.B. and Lot? And he said, all right, you choose. And then it says this, Lot looked, saw the whole plain was well watered like the garden of the Lord. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan. He saw what his eyes saw, and he chose. And what was Lot's problem? He lived too close to Sodom and Gomorrah. So what his eyes saw looked good, but just next door was trouble. He wasn't wasn't functioning on what by faith he believed. He functioned in what his physical eyes saw, and he became a possessor of that. Professor, he professed, no, I'll stay there. I won't be a professor, I'll stay here. That's good for me. It's like the Matthew um, passage of the, of the, I haven't got the scripture for you, sorry, bro. of the seed. Falls, and then it says, the, 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 the riches of this world choked it. And, and, the, and the desires of this world choked it. That's not wrong to be rich, don't misunderstand me. It's not wrong. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. God says the love of money. If you chase money, then you've got problems. But some people are rich. I wish I were. I'm rich in God. I mean, I'm plenty. And one day, I don't know about you, oh, look at you guys. You probably won't be near me. You won't be in the same neighborhood in heaven as me. I'll, I'll have a really smart place. I'm convinced. I'm sorry. 
I'm joking. But my inheritance, our inheritance is massive. I mustn't just profess something. I mustn't make promises that I don't keep. I mustn't say things that I don't mean in God. The possessors are those who go the whole nine yards. I'm in this. I know I'm believing God. Is it difficult? Is the Pope Catholic? Of course it's difficult. Is it challenging? Of course it's challenging. Does it take my time? Of course it takes my time. Does it take my money? Of course we want your money. I was doing an Alpha course years ago and this, this, this man came. He came from Bloberg. We were in Musenberg. He came all the way. And he was now, he was Mr. Know-all. And he sat there and we introduced ourselves first night. So I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Daniel. I said, no, welcome, Daniel. He said, listen, I just want to tell you, I don't trust ministers. I don't trust churches because I know all you want is my money. I said, absolutely. And he was shocked. He got saved. <laughs> but he was, no, I'm not coming to this. I'm coming, I'm under, I don't want to be here. But he became a, a possessor. He owned. He owned what God was speaking to him about. They go the whole nine yards. They are those whose faith is strong. Their faith is deep. It doesn't wither. In Oatswurden, man, if you don't give something water somewhere today, that thing dies. In Cape Town, we're a little less severe. Because, you know, the sun doesn't shine as brightly in Cape Town as it does here. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's fans and air cons. And we just go to the sea. It's easy. We just go. But the sun scorches things when it hasn't got root. Paul says that we get planted and established. And, and you don't just plant something and then say, okay, you look after it, you establish it. You give it a bit of water, give it a bit of fertilizer, and then it starts growing. Then it gets established. It can withstand things because it's got a good root structure. Amen? What's your root structure like in God? Has it gone deep? Or is it just there on the surface? That's what possessors do. Abram and Sarah were possessors. Romans 4, 18 to 21 tells us why we can say that. Against all hope... Yes, see. Against all hope. Abraham, who out for sake is, a hundred years old, and they want a baby. Either God has spoken, or Abraham, you've lost the plot. Who wants a baby when you're a hundred? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Die kind heil al weer. Wacht, ik kom naar mijn kind. <laughs> I mean, you're a hundred years old. She's ninety, and there's a baby in the house. It's, <laughs> they believed against all that. They believed and became the father of many nations, just as it's been said in So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. It wasn't an immaculate conception, although he believed he was good as dead, but he believed God. And then they had a baby. God wants to give us spiritual children. 
even when you're older. Don't fold your arms when you're older. Say, look, I've done my time. You know, I've served. And don't do that. Don't fold your arms and say, nah. If you get asked to be a com leader or something, you say, well, uh, you know, I used to be. It's not what was that's important. It's what is is important. Be a, a possessor. Own it. Yes, I'm going to serve this church. I'm going to serve the Lord. I want to see the kingdom come. I want to see this all full. I want to see us having to put those things outside because there are too many people. Not just, oh, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, like, it's, it's difficult. Abraham never wavered in his faith. I was going to say faith without works is dead and it applied to them too. I'm just saying, you caught on. Those who possess are not perfect. Those who possess, who own, are not perfect because first steps are not always giant steps. When Sarah was 19, she had a baby. The first step wasn't, she didn't jump out of bed and say, Hallelujah, Charlie, come back. She said, Amy, wake up, the baby's crying. And they had a little bit of a thing before one of them got up because it was difficult to get off the bed because they're old. Just be real. But they possessed it. They said, no, God spoke. God did it. Genesis 12.1. Abram compromised. Leave your country. I'm leaving. Leave your people. Tick, sort of. Leave your father's household. Uh Uh-uh. Daddy goes with. Cousin Lot goes with. It caused him trouble. What did daddy do? Daddy stopped at Haran. He settled there. And he held Abram up for the promise that what God wanted to give him. What did Lot do? This one little boy said he came home from Sunday school and his mommy said, what did you learn today? He said, no, I learned about Lot's wife. She said, what about Lot's wife? He said, at night she was a ball of fire and the day she was a pill of salt. Because <laughs> he misunderstood. But he, he held on to the promise. Genesis 16.2 also speaks of compromise. I've mentioned it with Hagar. Hagar's not your lady, Uncle Abby. He compromised. He made mistakes. But God's big enough to overlook our mistakes. It was an honest mistake, if you know what I mean. They were possessors. They believed the promises. And in the end, they did not allow unbelief to rule. Life brings tests. God uses those tests to build our faith. If I've been through hardship, somebody came to me this morning and said, my sister has got cancer. I said to her, I know how you feel. Why? Because I've suffered that hardship. My wife had cancer. So I'm not saying, oh, yeah, I know how you feel when I don't know how you feel. I know how you feel. I've been there. I fought with her. We prayed. We called on God. We broke bread. We said, Jesus, please, please, please. Now, is God wrong? No, I just don't understand God because he's beyond finding out. But I trust him because he's good. So my faith is in him. 
People say, did you ask why? I said, why must I ask why? His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. But I know he's my father and his intentions for me are good. I don't understand, but I trust him. I trust him. And that's what Abram did. He trusted God. God's speaking to us today. He's asking us to believe him, to believe the promises. All of you have had a promise. Maybe not through a prophetic word or something, but you've read something and God spoke to you. You owned it in that moment. But it's become a little bit hazy. God wants you to own it again. He says, don't settle there. Don't settle there. Don't just profess something. Possess it. Own it for the glory of God. He wants us to go and possess, bring his rule and reign into our spheres of influence. What is the kingdom? My definition of the kingdom is this. God's rule and reign in my life. That's the kingdom. It's a, there's a new life come into me. And there's a new kingdom. So I've got a new king. And he owns it. It's his rule and his reign in my life. And if God says no, uh-uh, then it's no. I'm watching parents helping children, disciplining children. And I, I'm often in places because I travel. And then they come and say, Dad, 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 can, I, can we? And no, I said no. Now I feel sorry for the child because I don't know the whole story. And my heart goes out to the boy and I want to speak to the parents and say, oh, shame man, just. But it's not my role. It's not my place. I don't understand. And when God speaks, God speaks. We must own what God says to us. He wants a fresh dedication to our obedience. He wants us to understand. 2 Chronicles 7, 1, 3, this is the last scripture. You know where Chronicles is? What happens in Chronicles? Beautiful book, I love this. 2 Chronicles, I want to read it from my Bible. You know, today people say, open your iPad, your iPhone, and if you've got a Bible. I'm an old guy. I say, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. I had a friend... He got saved in my church and he went on holiday to Amanus and he was in a pub watching rugby with his friend and there was some there, a guy there giving trouble. And so they, were, they began to talk to him and he could see the man was, you know, he had an evil spirit in him. So he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to do that because he had never been taught or anything. So he went to his bucky and he got his Bible. He came back into the pub and he said to that man, come here, sir. And he hit him with the Bible. In the chest, he said, I hit him up. He said, Get out in Jesus' name. He said, The man fell to the floor in the pub. And he got up and he said, Yes, he brewed no honors. What did you He said, I hit him with a word. Because <laughs> he didn't know any other way, but he hit him physically. I said, No, Steve, you don't do like that, bro. That's not what it says. <laughs> he said, Well, it worked for me. I said, Yeah, but you know, please, that's not a. Just now there's a ministry going around. You know, you get your Bible and you hit people. It says this. Remember David said, I'm going to build you a temple. I'll build the temple. And God said to David, no, you're not going to build a temple. Your son will build the temple. And David was obedient. It says this. When Solomon finished praying, now the temple is built. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering. And the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 
The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Now let me explain to you. This is just a hall. It's nice. The fire is not going to come and drop into the hall. You are now the temple. The fire will come to you. And the fire of God can hurt you. But it will never harm you. You know when you were younger and you had a bright place and then mommy and daddy had bought marshmallows. And then you put the marshmallow on the stick and then braille Vicky marshmallow. Then you just leave it in for a fraction too long and it sets a light. And you want to put the fire out so you do this. And then you've got five fires because it sticks to your fingers. Amen? You know that story? And you get Aina. You will never, ever in your life again try and put a burning marshmallow out with your fingers because you learn a lesson. The fire of God will hurt you, but it will never harm you. It hurt me. At the first time I did it, <laughs> the little blisters, it was yes. But it taught me a lesson. And when God comes with his fire, he wants to burn things out of us. He wants to burn out that spirit of I'm going to settle. He wants to burn out that spirit of I'm, I'm just going to profess it. I'll make Davian Wiesel think. No, man, that's living a lie. Don't do that. No, I'm going to come in, I'm going to possess it. I'm going to own it. For them, uh, 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 for the glory of God. So Jesus gets glorified and I get encouraged. We want to see the fire fall. I want to see the fire fall. I really do. I want more. Because we haven't seen it yet. I want to be a possessor. I want to own it. It's going to cost me. You bet it will cost me. Cost Jesus everything. Cost him his life. And as I said, I don't know, was I with the youth or this Wednesday? I spoke so much down this week, I don't know. When we, when we see the cross, often the crosses that Jesus died on, he's up there. The cross takes him above, above us. But the crosses were, they didn't have a top piece, they just like a T. They put them, and they were this height. There we are. Drop it in the ground. He's here, he's here next to me. That's why they could spit in his face. That's why they could pull his beard. That's why they could slap him. And he, he did nothing wrong. And he still said, Father, forgive them. They don't know. They don't know. And then we say, mm, well, I don't know if I want to give everything. No. Cost him everything. Church is not... Sunday and Wednesday sometimes on Wednesday if I feel okay it's giving myself to what God's doing in this community this family so we see the kingdom come so the fire falls the people come here and they, there's something different it's because we've owned what God's doing in our lives Amen